Welcome to the Code Locker, the Code Locker, where the hosts and guests will discuss real aspects of code enforcement from the locker room without bias. We'll talk about inspections, safety, community relations, debrief cases, and much more. This is for entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast reflect the opinions of the hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Now, grab a chair and your beverage of choice. Here are your hosts, Justin and Shane. How's it going? It is going good, my friend. How are you? Busy, busy, busy. Another week. uh, As I mentioned last uh, episode, I was able to fly out to Florida this last week. I spent uh, six days out in Orlando uh, for the the Florida Association of Code Enforcement Conference. Um, So this is my first conference outside of our California one. Um, So it was a great experience. I I met a lot of cool people. Um, They had a great conference, well-organized. It was a lot of fun. So did that, uh, brought the family along, did some side stuff just for uh, entertainment. It it was fun. So uh, glad to be home, though. Get back to the grind. Um, But that was... A busy week for me. Whole pile of emails. Oh yeah, two hundred something. Oh my! God. I did get through them today. It was it was intense, but I got through them. Yeah. You had a busy day. Yeah. <laughs> so if real tw- real quick, real quick to touch on, I'll take a twix. The, a twix. Oh my god, this is so good. The left. Um, the yeah. I'll, I'll take the right one then. That's fine. fine. Share. Sold. Um. <laughs> the face conference that you went to uh comparable to california's similar i'm i'm i envision a lot of these conferences depending on state you know you have like an exhibitor hall there's Mm -hmm. a keynote speaker very similar i I imagine they're all kind of laid out the same is that is that the case for this one that you noticed yeah to me uh i as just like you, I've, I've really only experienced the Casio one over the last few years. And mm-hmm. this felt almost uh, identical uh, the way it was set up, but a uh, great venue uh, in uh, Orlando near the convention center uh, at a hotel. But yeah, same thing where the lobby uh, was the exhibitor booths, the registration, okay. and then they had classrooms uh, that you could break into. But I thought it was well done. Um, the exhibitor booths were great. They had great uh, organization of the event, nice board members that I got to meet uh, that were very helpful, uh, very cool. interested. And uh, yeah, they had hundreds and hundreds of, of officers from across the uh, state of Florida to come. Wow. And uh, I got to hear their stories, swap stories from California. Uh, but it was, it was interesting to hear, in my opinion, a lot of the things that they deal with are similar to us. That's what was, um, my follow-up was going to be. Is yeah. I don't know if you went through any of their classes or anything or happened to poke your head in, but was it a lot of the same stories that we discuss on the West coast? Very similar. I guess. I, I, from the ones, yeah. From the ones I talked to, it, it sounded very similar. Okay. Uh, it's just interesting to hear, you know, sometimes we talk about watch out for getting chased down by dogs and, you know, uh, you know, the, the loose animals yeah. there, they're talking about gators, you know, and, and crocs, okay. you know, so it's yeah. kind of crazy to think you could be doing an inspection and kind of watch out for an alligator popping up. Yeah. For all my veterans out there, you know, open the door and do your fives and 25s. If you know, you know, you like check and like, make sure you're not stepping on something you're not supposed to be doing. So 
Yeah, watch out. Yeah, don't yeah, you don't want to put your foot on that or a gator. You know? Nope, stay yeah. away. So I I think I'd rather deal with a dog. I, I think so too. Yeah. I that's my thought. But it was it was good. They uh it was really cool. They had uh a great energy, great people. Um, and they actually did some of the classes where it was everybody, the whole um the whole group like 300 400 whatever folks that were there in one giant hall for some of the major classes and then they broke down the smaller classes That's into groups yeah it was really cool okay. had the whole group there so got to speak in front of them uh on day two. Oh, look um, at you yeah it was nice good they were very friendly yeah. uh we had a lot of fun a lot of laughter um so uh That's it was cool. a great event i I'm glad that I got the invite to go out and it was definitely worth it. That's awesome. Good so times, man. Now that's cool. glad to be back. Yeah. Yeah. To start over. Yeah. A vacation from a vacation. Get get caught up with yeah. uh, the work. Yeah. How was uh, your week? It was good. Um, it was my daughter's birthday this past week. Oh, I also uh, was out of town. I went on vacation. If you nice. live in you know, California or, you know, where mammoth is. Yep. I did a little uh, camping trip up there for five, six days. Wow. So that was good. Um, you know, living down where we live, Saturday was 104. Um, up in mammoth the week prior, the first two days I was there, we froze our butts off. There's snow everywhere. It rained and it was about 30, 32 degrees out. Wow. It was like just, just right at freezing level and it was windier than heck. So oh. my wife looked at me and goes, are we going to do this the whole time? Cause we can go. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm right behind you maybe because at that point you're just hanging out at camp. Right. You know, you can't sit around the fire. Kids are freezing. You can't, can't do anything. I lost two camping chairs into the fire. They blew into it. You know, you threw those in there for extra heat. Negative. Okay. <laughs> one, one was a gift that was for my birthday that oh, I had in April. Uh, wasn't a, the cheapest chair, but probably wasn't the most expensive. Gone. Obliterated. I even moved the chairs back from the fire ring and placed rocks on them. And the wind still took them and pushed them into the fire. That's crazy. Both of them. Like together, like it was a couple or the Titanic going down with the ship. Wow, what a loss. Yeah. But, but we caught some fish. That's good. You know, we got to go to, uh, once again, if you know, you know, Bodie Ghost Town. You know, if you've ever been to Bodie, you know. Um, and just did the family stuff. It, I'd, I'd never been up in that area. It was gorgeous. I had a great time. Got to just unplug for a while. No service, no anything. It was awesome. So. And that's, that's good because it's following up to that episode we had recently with Aaron talking about, you know, the, the work-life balance, you yep. know, doing something different, you know, just get a chance to unplug and you gotta do decompress. It. Yeah, I think he was going on a vacation and yeah, cruise. I think so you got to be able to do it. But it's funny you brought up the camping thing. Cause I, in college, I did a camping trip uh, with some buddies in the Sierras for, and we planned for a five day, just like you, you were, doing it yourself but okay we we hiked up a couple miles uh okay. to this little lake uh everything was on our back and basically by day two out of this five day <laughs> trip we were like throwing rocks at like 
dirt and we're just like what the hell are we doing like yeah. we were so bored we're just sitting there like what's next yeah so we that's we, funny we by day three we're like time to go down the mountain really yeah we're like there's nothing to do so i i i usually do a annual backpacking trip with um a couple of my brother-in-laws and people on my uh, wife's side of the family and we do that we hike in with all of our stuff we stay for like three four days and then we hike out mm -hmm. and uh talking about feeling like this big <laughs> when you're walking amongst you know the sierras and the trees and the, i mean you feel like nothing just like so minuscule oh yeah and uh we have a good time it's awesome that's fun I'm glad you did that. Do you remember where where you went or what side of the Sierras? Uh, I I can find it on a map, but um, yeah, I I did some of the driving, but my buddy who I guess hiked it quite a bit, he's the one that led us into this uh, crazy place. So we probably could have been murdered and nobody would know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So desolate. <laughs> yeah, nobody would know. Yeah, so. I, I had a lot of trust in him, so. Well, cool. I'm glad it worked out. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're glad here. you're here today. On a side note this week, um, I had one discussion uh, at work with some colleagues who were talking about, uh, and I don't even know how we stumbled across this conversation, but okay. we started talking about movies that uh, related to code enforcement. It's an interesting topic. It is. And I think some people might be aware of, I guess there's a show I'm out of, I, I haven't been watching it, but I saw the scene, but there's a TV show called 911. And in one of the scenes, there's a scene where I guess, I think it's an LAPD sergeant. Um, she goes to a call and okay. I guess it's some type of nuisance or neighbor dispute, but she basically says in the scene, uh, you got to contact code enforcement for that. And so that was like a big deal that, you know, code was being called out on this TV show. That is a big deal. Yeah. So that, that was kind of cool, but we're talking That's about funny. actual movies okay. and two that came up right off the bat. And I want to get your thoughts on this or if you had any other ideas, but uh, one was the movie duplex with never, uh, never seen it. Okay. That that's what drew Barrymore and Ben Stiller. Okay. And they basically uh, they buy a duplex and they inherit uh, a tenant in the upstairs oh. unit. Okay. And she's like a nut. So like 90 year old woman mm -hmm. that creates havoc. So uh, talk up. about, yeah. Landlord tenant issues. And then the second one, which you might've seen is Lakeview Terrace with that. That one sounds a lot. Samuel L. Jackson, more LAPD. familiar. Okay. Okay. But that's the one where he's a neighbor. And I guess a couple moves in next door Yes. And he doesn't like them. He like terrorizes them. Terrorizes right? them. Yeah. It's like a spotlight on their house. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 So it's it just crazy, right? It's like a it, whole turns oh, into yeah. a whole. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a code case. I mean, how many, yeah. we were talking about how many cases we've dealt with over the years where one neighbor says, oh, the security light's blinding me on my side or they're peeking and their, their security cameras are looking on my property. Yeah. But we're just thinking about like what movies out there Man. tie into code. Or like code related, yeah. Where it it's like hits home with like Jeez. neighbor disputes, uh, tenant issues. I mean, besides horrors and simple right, those things shows, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know any of that specifically. Yeah, correlates like that. I know obviously there's a lot of movies and the referencing like building inspectors and building mm -hmm. officials. You know, like that's a more 
common thing, you know, that you see more in movies, I guess, but not anything that comes in mind between, between or regarding code enforcement. I mean, I could say stepbrothers when the brother is showing the real, is the real attorney showing the houses to the, I thought to about that one too. I thought because, uh, it's just funny. You know, we deal with like sometimes some agencies and some, you know, places they have, what is it? Uh, ordinances and programs in place where our, if the house comes up for sale, it gets inspected by a code enforcement department mm-hmm. um, or community development or whatever your title is. Um, so that's kind of somewhat related. And they're, I guess, and the neighbors are out there <laughs> refusing other people to buy the house by making all sorts of make a dead body, yeah, <laughs> dead body and dressing up as world war two soldiers. <laughs> Racist. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, I mean, that, that was a that's good that's kind of more like on the realtor. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know neighbor dispute issues. I don't know. I can't really think of anything. But those are good ones. And I mean, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, it it's a big deal to be mentioned. You know, have code mentioned. So, I, I what came out of the discussion today was that we're realizing that as the years go on, code is now becoming more recognized. Mm-hmm. And I think this is you know uh, an example of that Hollywood starting to bring it in. I would agree with that. So it's pretty cool. I mean, you've discussed before how you got involved in city government or government work. You had no idea what code was. Nope. You were in a completely different house of it. Same with me. Like I, and now, I, I mean, that wasn't in the scheme of things. It wasn't too long ago, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I think it's becoming more wild, widely recognized. It is. And people are, I guess, well, I mean, you get degrees in it now. You can do a bunch of stuff. So it's definitely a thing to do now. And people know. I I definitely think in the last five years, especially Mm -hmm. it really shot up. Yeah. So So it's looking good. I mean, I mean, I know uh, when I applied for the code enforcement position, when I first started, there was like 340 people and I was just, I had no idea. I was just a guy. So, I mean, it's, I can only imagine now the type of people they're getting more people, people with code enforcement degrees. Could you imagine having like, okay, we'll talk about it. You go in for an interview and you're sitting down with somebody or you're in the lobby. Right. And everybody knows. Everybody knows you go into these interviews, they're blocked like 15 minutes apart. Yep. Right. You go in for your code enforcement interview, you check in with the receptionist, and there's a row of chairs. And what's the first thing you do? Besides see, my dog barking. You see the other candidates. You size everybody up. Yep. Right? You do. And they size you up. And they size you up. You come walking in, you got your pink shirt, your bright tie, your suit. <laughs> you, hey, you laugh. So you do, you size everybody up. That's what you do. 300 people over three days. I don't know how your process was when you first started, but you know, that's how many people we had. And you're kind of going through your head, all the questions, your answers, you're sweaty. You're like rubbing your hands. You know, you're acting like you're in deep thought, but you're just thinking about like, I hope my stomach doesn't grumble while I'm in there. Cause you picked the worst that time. Sucks. The, the only interview <laughs> spot that was left. Um, that that's the same with me is the first one I applied to, and this it was an interesting position. 
uh, it was the city I already worked for, but I was under a PD, but mm-hmm. they actually had a classification where they called it code enforcement trainee. Okay. So your first year on Same probation do that. Yeah. was under that title. And then if you pass probation, they promoted you to full-time code officer. And okay. when I applied for that, um, some odd years ago, same thing they had like something like three to 500 people apply they did like i think it was two written exams two and then two interview panels and it kept weaning it down so like the first you know uh written was like 500 people second written was like the next the lot the next like 100 150 yeah. and then they took like 25 or 30 to the first interview and then 10 to the next and then okay. the final one with the manager was like top three it's kept whittling it down like that huh? whittled it down and wow. it was very competitive but now mm. i don't see that as much it's no i've actually seen i haven't seen that many agencies now doing a written uh to kick off the code job it's it's usually just uh application yeah two to three interviews and then you're and hired then you go from there yeah. yeah that was that was my experience so when i started i you know had a pd background applied sized everybody up in the interview and then conducted the interview with like it was some, everywhere is different but you have like like a supervisor manager and then maybe like the admin supervisor or i know some agencies um use outside supervision like from other mm-hmm. cities and stuff like that to sit on their panels um but that's how mine was you just applied you know went through government jobs shout out government jobs um and I waited. It was like six months, I would say, till I heard anything back for this position. And it's pretty intense. And you just, I was waiting and waiting and did my interview, but it was like that. It was, you know, you just, ours was you interviewed. And then I had a second interview. It was like me and maybe three other people. They told me, you know, Hey, you're, you're the finalist or whatever they tell you. And then, um, my second interview consisted of meeting because this job I had a commute. So it was meeting me halfway. Uh, you know, so they met me halfway at a wow. Starbucks. And that's what we did. We had a second interview at a Starbucks. I've heard of those. I've never experienced one like that, um, but I've heard of because those. Because they they just wanted to, you know, they they because you have everything on paper, you know, you can see your whole life on that whole thing. Like if if they're gonna keep asking you questions about you know, stuff you already written or wrote down. Maybe they want clarification, but the second one for them, it was to like get to know who I was. And it was very, I don't want to say informal, but it was, you know, not in a conference room sitting across the table, you know, with the suit on. And that's how my process was. And then, I mean, I never, I've had written tests for like senior positions, like internal, we had written tests but never for like, I don't want to say entry level code, but not for just like, we'll just call him an officer one. So that's interesting. Your agent that where you were, it was like, they whittled down so much for it. Yeah. They, that one was or, very unique. Um, I've only been at maybe two off the top of my head that had a written and then maybe another two or three that had like, a, I wouldn't even call it a written, but it was more of a, like draft a a template NOV 
based on a scenario. I've heard of that too. <laughs> and I've had that my first actual code job that that was our written was when I got out of the interview knows I did the first interview with outside panelists. Mm-hmm. And then when they called me in for my final with the director and the manager, they had me do a template of an NOV before I went into the interview with them and they didn't bring, they didn't review it, but they looked at it after I had left. Um, and so they were just trying that to see that so I, I hit on me on everything. So, so that one was interesting. I, I actually thought that was a kind of a cool idea. Yeah, that's definitely different. So they just wanted to see what you would put on your NOV if you had to make one. Yeah, to see if you're well-spoken and you hit all the key legal points of, you know, this is what your violation is. This is how you comply. And this is your deadline. And you could, they they left it open-ended where you can kind of make hmm. up stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, that's interesting. See- yeah, that's interesting because everywhere's different. You know what? what I mean? Unless you knew, right? That's that's what I'm saying for like a code position. If you don't really know, like, I don't know. It was at an entry level or was that a different level? It was entry level and I had no experience. I only had my KCO modules okay. going into that. And luckily during my module training, I learned about some basics <laughs> of NOVs, right. but that saved me. Yeah. But I had no experience at, well, that, at all. That's what I say. I mean, how, I mean, your opinion, I mean, that's not, I don't, I guess for entry level, that's not a good way to, I guess it is a good way to weed people out, but I don't know. I it's tough like for entry gonna, level. If you're going to give somebody like a brand new opportunity to come work at an agency in a field that they may or may not fit in or know anything about to be like, Hey, make me an NOV. And they're like, what the hell's an NOV? Right. Grant. Okay. Like that's probably not, I mean, you could have just eliminated somebody that potentially was going to be an awesome fit because they just are an entry level job and they're trying to get benefits. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, and it was funny. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. That's I, I've never had to do that. I just find that like, I kind of see why they do it, but I don't, I personally don't like that. I don't, I don't think that's a good metric or a good measure. That's just my own opinion. I feel generally that most of the panels I've sat on or agencies that I, I worked for that we were hiring Typically, we follow the path of application, mm-hmm. panel interview, and then yep. final interview. Yep. Uh, we really don't incorporate the written anymore, from what I've seen. Yeah, that's like um, that seems to be like the standard. Yeah, it's, I think it's changed a little bit, and it's funny because I got a message a few days ago. It's funny that we're talking about interviews this Ooh, week. But message. I got a I got a message from a guy that he's um, a guy. I got a message from this guy. From this guy. Hey, this um, guy uh we're gonna call him john john doe but he uh he got out of the military and he's uh got an interview lined up for a code gig uh, entry level. don't hire him he's a scumbag <laughs> <laughs> we respect our our veterans uh right. respect i think we have one in the yeah. room <laughs> well, that's why i said that i'm allowed them yes we have Teach a we got a vet here but he he was a good guy he, he's uh Younger guy wants to get into the field. I don't know how he found out about it, but he was he reached out to me and asked um, if I have any tips on handling the interview. Uh, you know what might be asked or what he should prepare for, and it got me thinking. And I asked him, you know, about his background and, and experience. And so he 
doesn't yep. have any KCO training, no modules, okay. no 832, okay. um, no volunteer or part-time experience, uh, but military um, and a little bit of law enforcement background, but he wants to get into code. And when I got into it, it sounds like a lot of people. It does sound like a lot. I was going to say that's, that's, I would say maybe not so much now, but maybe five years ago, that's your pretty typical applicant. I would say. Agreed. And I think the big thing that um, I learned, and this was several years ago when I got into it. And I, and to be honest, I still feel like it's somewhat commonplace Mm -hmm. is no matter where you come from to, to have uh, you know, leg in the game and, and try to get you over the finish line, you really, at the very least, you have to have your module training to get your CCEO. You should, to be, to be an outlier, you should have some volunteer or part-time experience. Those people typically are the front liars in, mm-hmm. in getting that job. Um, yeah. I got lucky in my position where I, all I had was just the certs because it was a nighttime gig on the weekends and nobody wanted it. So I got lucky, but typically even for somewhat entry level code gigs, they're looking at people on your resume. Do you have the search? So they don't have to train you. Do you have some volunteer part-time experience that, you know, maybe you could hit the ground running. Um, And so it it can be tough to really get into the code field without that experience. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. not impossible, but I'm, my opinion is it's tough. Yeah. Hello. hello. Shout out to my wife. <laughs> Peekaboo. Yeah. With the little oons hello. Hello. Um, hello. I would say I agree with you because, like, if I guess from a hiring standpoint, this person has showed initiative. You know, like, hey, they've, kinda, they've done these steps, they've, they've shown an interest in this field. They may not completely understand what this field is about but they, they have some desire. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't see. I just, I feel like you, you just eliminate a lot of potential people that could be really good at this job. You know, if you're going to require those things now, I've seen a lot of positions. They require at least a PCA 32. That's all I had now. So I might have like, you know, you and me come from the same background, but, you know, we've had different experiences at different cities. So, you know, I had a PC 32 and I was lucky to get the job kind of like you, you know, I had a law enforcement background and they straight up told me, we usually take these applications that say anything law enforcement related and just throw them out mm. because we don't want, we don't want to deal with that, you know, retraining somebody or the burden or the stigma or whatever. So I'm, I was felt very fortunate to be given the opportunity and I would just hate, you know, to miss out on somebody that was like, you know, didn't have the module training or didn't have PCA 32, especially for entry level. And I saw this the other day on LinkedIn. It was, they talked about, you know, entry level means entry level, like mm-hmm. no, like the agency, like this is this, this is step block one. Like, don't post an entry-level job and then list, you know, 20 demands or requirements. You know what I mean? Oh, we need this, we need this, we need this. Like, well, that's not entry-level then. You know, if someone, I feel like if someone had a degree in code enforcement and like didn't have a code enforcement job and then was trying to get a code enforcement job, like that's not really like an entry-level person, right? 
like title wise, it might be, but they know what's going on code enforcement wise. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, I, I, I think like there's, there's no, I don't know. It's just, I get why it's done. It just, I don't know if I, I'm like fully on board with that. Well, I think the problem is that a lot of cities, especially smaller cities, they only have one classification, which is just code enforcement officer. And I think what happens is yeah. it's classified as entry level, but they're looking, depending on the salary and the type of city it is, they're looking for the, the one with the most experience. So you could get a lateral from another city with five years experience, but they want to come here because it's better pay. Yeah. And they're going to beat out the entry levels and the cities will be like, wow, we're going to get somebody with five years experience. So yeah. that's the problem yeah. we run into is the, so do the you think title. It's a, it's a classification thing. Yeah. More related. Okay. Versus like, like I mentioned, my first city, they actually created a title of code trainee and you had to be in that during probation in order to promote the full-time code officer. Right. And so, I mean, that program, that I can, yeah, that I get that. Cause you're kind of working your way up starting here and correct. You're working your way up and getting that exposure, the experience with that agency, everything that makes a little more sense to me. I mean, to, I mean, you have a lot of experience, a lot of certs, you know, you, you've, you've been in this field for a while. You know, I've been in the field for a little bit as well. You know, if we were to apply for entry level positions, I mean, not that we would, but that's not necessarily fair. You know what I mean? To Joe Schmo, that's like 23 years old. Gets his dreams trying crushed. To, trying to get his, you know, just trying to get into the government world through code enforcement. You know, not that he can't, but, you know, if we're strictly talking, you know, resumes and experience and all that other stuff, like you're saying, then it's like, oh, my God. Like I think is- that's part of the struggle is, you know, like the, my story, which was I, I had seniority from, you know, come from in the PD, got I had my normal shift that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But to break into code, I realized I wasn't even getting interviews, just having my certs. But the first two day I got, they wanted somebody for the weekends and nights. Yeah. And so a senior veteran officer from another city is not going to want that shift. So I worked that for two years, weekends until two in the morning. Yeah. It killed me. And I mean, I literally was like, yeah. it was, was intense, Yeah, but I got my experience and I was yeah. able to move on to another city with a better gig. Yeah. But I think that's part of, I guess the, the course is that people like, I mean, you, you got to cut your teeth somewhere. You do. And you have to earn your, you know, your you keep. Know. And for example, uh, I'll give a shout out to a uh, shout out. We're our uh, newest code officer uh, for our team. She starts Monday, but she's an internal. Oh, promotion. okay. I like this. And like she a, like a teaser breaking news right here. <laughs> breaking news. Breaking news. You're right. only going to hear. She on doesn't the even know they're hired. Like this. Is no, perfect. she does. <laughs> oh, damn it. It's, it's official on the back end, but okay. Um, she was well, a, I'd forget you then. It's new to the world, the public. Okay. okay. Um, but she she is a permit tech. And so what she did, uh, our news uh, promotion here in, in the last year, got her modules taken care of, volunteered on the weekend. So she's full-time at our city, yeah. is a mother, a wife, and volunteered for free on the weekends at another city to get her code experience. That's and awesome. she did that over the last year. So when we had this vacancy pop up, 
you know, she she's truly ready to go. proved herself. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's critical. And I think, you know, going back to your point about initiative for me, um, whether I'm sitting on a panel or I'm hiring somebody or it's me, cause I, I felt like I showed that. I think actually that initiative shows a lot about a person that if they go out on their own time and get the training volunteer on the weekends, instead of going to have fun and they get that experience, that shows initiative and hard work that that could be a good quality person that wants to work for your agency. So usually the people that do that on their own and they apply for your job, that to me is a, is a pretty good sign of a good employee. No, Um, absolutely. I mean, the initiative. Yeah. If you were to come across somebody and a, I don't know you kudos to you. That's awesome. (laughs) Like, no, seriously. Like, mother full-time job mm-hmm. you know to volunteer your time to do that because you have a desire to be in this field like seriously big kudos to you Huge. like being a mother in the first place is like ridiculously hard like moms don't get enough credit like oh, no. to be honest it's crazy stay-at-home moms moms at work all the above everything it's like it's ridiculous heroes so i mean for someone like that and and, I'll, and i work with somebody like that who asked me about code enforcement. We actually both went to the same police academy together. And, um, you know, some years had gone by. And they're like, hey, what, what's this code enforcement thing about? And I kind of told them. And they, they same thing, put themselves through the modules. Good. You know, to get, you know, to try to make themselves a better candidate. And, it, I, you know, small world, I actually work with this person now, which is kind of funny. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I get it. I mean, there's value in people that want to do that. I just don't think it has to be the end all be all. And every agency is looking for something different. So I guess it really just kind of depends. Well, I think it goes back to your point, though. I think about the the titles. If if our profession had more positions that were titled training, that might, that might be the bigger thing. Yeah. Well, because or, you, yeah, classified correctly. Right. If they truly wanted to mold somebody from the ground up they classify as a trainee because then you're not going to get laterals from other cities. And then you're truly going to get good hearted, Mm -hmm. hardworking folks that want a chance to like this guy that reached out to me this week, you give him Um, opportunity, give him opportunity. Yep. At a, at a true, at a true entry level level. Yeah. To learn not entry, but you got to have all this or lateral, <laughs> but you don't have to have anything right. Like Ten it years does. Of experience. I think, I think you bring up a good point and maybe a title and classification thing. And especially where you work. Yeah. You know, I think there's good to like having fresh new people that have no idea what code is. And then there's obviously a benefit to people that show that initiative, that drive, know what code is, have a desire to do it. And then trying to get in where they can fit in. I I'm personally, I'm a big believer of the agencies that, that do break up code into the different classes. I would be open to yeah. having a trainee position, having a level one, two position and a senior because the folks that fill those roles have earned it. So trainee yeah. is great for those new people that need the experience. Mm-hmm. Level one is journey level. And then for the folks that have learned a lot, have been around the, the job for a while, it's like a they corporal. deserve that level two mm-hmm. and they get that title. They get a little extra pay. And I think that's great, but you, we have so many agencies that just stick to just, just the straight title of code officer officer. Yeah. And that's it. And And, you're stuck there. Yep. And it depends on agency size. 
Yep. Depends on all that stuff. Management. I mean, some places have directors. Some have managers that are supervisors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some have, you know what I mean? They're, it's like, and we have talked about this a little bit before. It's a crapshoot. You know, it, it is. is. It and is. it's, you know, it, it just is. And I don't know if it's a union problem. I don't know if it's just people don't care or don't think about it, but that's why we're talking about it. Well, on that note, I would like to, to mention though, is some recommendations uh, I think for that process. I think it's important Let in my that. opinion. Um, I do commend folks that, you know, that are interested in this profession and they want to, they show the initiative, go out, sign up for training, yeah. uh, become a member of associations. That was one of the first things I did become a member of KCO, become a member of ACE, become a member of ICC, go to the trainings to build up your resume that you're interested in this field, mm -hmm. volunteer uh, one day a week, uh, one afternoon. Yeah. Um, but then once you start to promote, and we're not just talking about entry-level interviews now, but um, just touching on all types of interviews is I've, I've seen the different levels of interviews as I've climbed up and I've interviewed at dozens of cities and I've also been on the other side on the panel. You too. What, yeah. Both sides. I, oh, I shook my, I shook my hand um, oh, man. and then moved so, across the table. And shook, so shook many my other interviews hand. in my life. Oh, my it's, it's, it's been a lot, but one thing I noticed in code is your, your entry level, your, your journey level code officer interviews are going to be very technical. You know, how do you handle a green pool case? How do you handle um, a case that, you know, uh, has hoarding or, you know, it's just, how do you do those type of cases? How do you talk mm. to people when you move into senior and supervisor level? It, to me, it's about a 50, 50 split where it's some technical, but then they start to throw in questions about your leadership style yeah. and how would you handle political case? And then when you move on to management level and director, it's you're like dealing all... more with how do you do budget? How do you do personnel yep. problems and discipline? Uh, and then you don't really even touch technical because yep. they assume that you've already dealt with technical. Yeah. So you, you probably shouldn't have your hands in that stuff at that level. You shouldn't, but you, right. But as a working, we know people that do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you do sometimes, right? You, there is a time and place where you probably do need to step in at that level. We'll say manager, yeah. for example, or supervisor, where you maybe have to put your hands on certain cases. You know what I mean? Or you you, you need to for whatever reason. It could be, you know, politically charged or it's just a big mess or whatever. You need to be in the loop. Um, yeah, I don't, I just, yeah, it's interesting. I think the classification's a big part of it. I think the... I mean, you bring up a good point of like working your way up the chain and like the interview questions in particular and the panel changes, right? Like you shouldn't be asking necessarily budget questions to a level one position or officer one, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that's not really like appropriate. Right. So, I mean, I, dude, <laughs> I've been on interviews before. This is great. I, I'm not going to say where or who or what, because I love everybody. Um, but what's, what are they always asking on the, at the end? What's the, what do they always ask? No, I'm the ones I'm, a, I'm one. It's uh, 
Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> what would you ask? Or what? Yeah. Here we go. What? What would you ask? What? What's like the, the last what, question? Like, what's the last question the panel says to the the potential uh, hiree or the new hire? Well, usually they say, "Do you have anything else you'd like to add?" There it this is. Conclu- concludes our interview. Yes. Do you have anything else you would like to add? This is the gold mine for this one. This is this is your chance to sell it. You yes. You don't sit there, say thank you, and say no. I'm good, <laughs> right? But someone argue you don't do what I do either is ask about training what's the philosophy like with city council how does it how do they get along what's your budget look like training is important to me do you guys support KCO? like maybe don't be that guy either i don't know that's just how i am because i've you i've done it long enough where like these things are important right like so i don't know just i i beg of people if you're listening don't say nothing you know if there's something that you touched on earlier or spoke about and you're like man that wasn't very clear right or what what, i didn't want to get my you know i didn't get my thought across as best as i thought i could you know tell them hey i want to go back to that question that you you asked about this scenario i'd just like to reiterate or you know clarify you know take that opportunity it's your time they're there sitting there no matter what right Take the opportunity and, and nail it, right? I mean, that's the only shot you got. I mean, I what agree. Do you think? What do you that, think? Don't like that. And we're talking the end time in particular. Like, don't waste it. I don't. Oh think. no. I, and, I, and I missed that I opportunity know. in the beginning too. I, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. And but as time went on, I learned that was. I can one see you. Thank critical. you. Thank you. Thank you. That was that was very critical. Thank you. Um, but I would say. Really, you always have the same first question and last question. The first question of the interview is always, you know, we have a copy of your resume. Please explain and tell us a little bit about your Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Education, experience. So this one, I my advice to all anybody listening is that basically they have they have your resume. So they they know your work experience. They broke it down, but very briefly summarize what's on the paper. But this is your moment to add a few key components yep. of maybe projects or assignments you had yep. on uh, that you were assigned that's not on that resume and sell that to them because yep. that would interest them because they're, they've they already read your resume. So if you say something that's off resume, that kind of starts you off on a good foot. Yep. But then as you get to that last question you talked about, just like you said, Shane, this is truly where you sell yourself. This is where you correct yourself on prior questions. Yep. This is where you sell yourself on why you're the best fit. I mean, really sell at home and say why you, you want to work there, why you deserve mm-hmm. to get the job. Um, thank them for their time, um, but really make that connection and not just say, well, I appreciate your time. I look forward to hearing from you and then yeah. walk out. You really have to spend your last couple minutes selling yourself on that question. Yeah. I, I think you, you said it perfectly. They have your whole life in front of you. You mm-hmm. put everything you possibly could on your resume or whatever you're using to send them your information. You know, when they ask you, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. You can touch on a couple of things. They don't want you to, well, my experience, and you shouldn't do this, is don't read verbatim of what you just put on the paperwork. Memorize right? it. Like, don't, like, 
take the opportunity, like Justin said, you know, touch on a couple of projects, some things you did, maybe a little bit about yourself. You know, they want to see you as an individual. This may be the only opportunity you ever are going to meet these people. Okay. Like this, I always find this so funny. Like I get it's stressful. It's intense. There's a lot of life situations going on. Some people need a job. Some people need the money. Their kids are sick. They have to have benefits. There can be a lot of weight on these interviews. I've been there. I've done that. Mm -hmm. I, I get, I know, believe me, I know how it is. Okay. The best thing you could do is be confident, be comfortable and just be you. Okay. You can, it, I think it's okay to smile. It's okay to, you know, I, that's, you know, it's okay to be like loose and be you. Now, if you're an uptight person, then you're just that person, then just be you. Just be a robot, then be uptight. Just sit there and be, man, 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 man. Oh, my name is, blah, blah, blah. you know, no, that's fine. But like, I really feel like people at the either, like Justin's to the beginning, they miss the mark, you know, or at the end, they miss the mark. I feel like those are the two big, like, bracketing things. You know, scenario questions can be worked out. Everybody's going to have kind of different answers. And there's some key ones they're looking for, but, you know, you can tie those in. If you miss the opportunity at the beginning to kind of present who you are, or at the end, I mean, that's probably it, you know. And I, and I just to add to is I don't know, it might come up in one of the questions, but if it doesn't, oh, I like this. selling it at the end of the, the last question is important. And we know this from the, the PD side of things, but is making a connection to that agency. So when yeah. you do research on population, square mileage, um, maybe political hot subjects, like there's a new development going in. Um yeah hitting on that and saying why you connect with it. Don't just kind of spout it out. Like it's memorized data, but make a connection say, Hey, I, I I've done my research and I think the new development on main street is phenomenal. I think it's going to be great for the city. Yeah. I look forward to being a part of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to help contribute to the city and improve the city. And so when you make that connection, they, that shows them that you spent time doing your homework and that you have connected with their their goals yep. and what their mission is. So in Show lots of interest in that agency. And, and what like you've mentioned before, a lot of cities have the seven C's or mission statements and pillars. It's <laughs> never gonna go away. But if you thank, know the seven thank C's, you, Jason. <laughs> thank you, Jason. But if you know the seven C's and you nail hey, that maybe in the final, then you're good. You're hey, good. You could be. And that's huge. And you, you have be. to do that research, but yep. One thing I was going to mention is PD ones are definitely different though. They, they are. Uh, they expect that. They expect that that understanding of the city you're applying for oh, is man. not as expected in code. Yeah. So maybe that's like, why I kind of have like a funny like outlook on it because the, the PD ones or sheriff ones or whatever. I mean, they're it's a different animal than code ones from my experience. Yeah. They, they are different, you know, and they should be. In my opinion, they I don't think they should be as I don't say rigorous as a PD interview, but um, I mean, I, I think you've interviewed for PD sponsored jobs before. They are, they want to know that demographics, our motto, they ask like legit scenario questions with the people that you're potentially going to be like on patrol with, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's a very, it's very real, rigid, very rigid, very real, like grounded interview. I feel like the code ones are a little more, you know, you get a lot more liberties with being loosey goosey. 
It, it's a little different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean one, not saying one item, Yahoo, but <laughs> yeah. One item I, I would say, uh, and I, I think I mentioned on one of our previous episodes, <clears throat> was especially if you want to promote up, and we're mm-hmm. talking interviews for supervisor and manager. You're going to need, if you want to be successful, you're going to need to work out a class. And I know for some people that's hard to swallow, but <laughs> in Sorry. reality, in reality, it truly, I mean, it's truly the case. Oh, you're going to have to work God. out a class because. Why do people get so stuck on that? Well, because they're stuck on their MOU or, or their union or whatever. But my point is, is that we're not like expecting people to work 80 hours a week without pay. I'm saying that if you want to be a supervisor or manager and you're say you're code officer, you want to be a supervisor, then start taking on projects that a supervisor yes. usually does. And then that way, when you go interview, you could say, I've done that, but you can't sit there and say, Oh, that's out of class. I'm not getting paid for that. Well, that's the wrong attitude to have. No. If you want something, you have to go above and beyond. And I saw a video the other day that um, about uh, leadership. And one guy was talking about how human nature is to give. When you do something and you give back or you go above and beyond and you do that extra work, mm-hmm. you're giving to that organization or that idea. But when you expect something in return, it's it's considered a trade versus just giving. Okay. So if, you you're, that. Yeah. if you're willing to work out of class. Looking for something and, in return. Right. And make it an effort. Then eventually good will come to you yeah. and, and you'll get that experience. But when you're just saying, well, I'm not getting compensated for that or I'm not getting benefits for that then you're not going to be able to grow because everybody's, if you're wanting to grow out of your shell, you're going to have to break the shell. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that's just my biggest tip is if you want to promote up, you got to work out a class, you got to understand um, what that next level does so that you can be stronger candidate uh, for that position. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying do anything outside of, you know, HR policies or MOU. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, if you, if that's a desire for you to promote or to get more exposure, then you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to like be, go out there and be like the leader of this new task force or take it on. You know, it may not be in your MOU or it's at a class or that's not my title or whatever. Like, and don't get me wrong. We all do that. We've all done it to a certain degree. We've all been like, ah, you know, boss comes out to see, ah, crap. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want like, you do it. You know what I mean? Like, not my job. You know, we we've all at some code, sports, life, whatever. We've all. I mean, if you're looking at me right now, it's, oh, I've never done that. You're for something. Um, you know, but like, if you're trying to be go somewhere and do something. And, you know, progress, and we've talked about this before, don't, you have to put yourself out there mm-hmm. to be the best candidate and show interest, whether you're good at it or not, you're going to have to work out a class on something. You're not going to get promoted just being, the, we've talked about it, the seven to five guy. Yep. You know, this, you're just not, not when other people are going above and beyond or working at a class, you're just, you're not, you're going to get left behind i guess right the same person is going to complain about not getting promoted anything well and that's and that's the thing is you got folks out there that instead of being the seven to five they're they're the six to six and they but they don't ask for overtime they don't ask for anything 
Um, management tells them, hey, it's time to go home. You know, you don't need to be here this late. But they stay because they want to get the job done. And that doesn't go unnoticed. And I think, you know, with other characteristics in play, uh, they, they end up promoting uh, because they're making that extra effort. But again, there's a balance. You, you would know, hope. Talk, yeah. we're, we're talking about the work-life balance. And there's times I work late. There's days I go in that are my weekend. But I balance that. I take a day off here. I take a vacation eventually. Um, so you, there's a way to balance it. You're not supposed to become a workaholic. Mm-hmm. But you're committed to the mission of the organization, yep. which is you're getting the job done. And there's a do. way to balance it. Yep. Yeah. I, and I think an important piece of this is, I don't, the culture kind of helps foster that. Mm-hmm. Like people wanting to take on projects, people wanting to go above and beyond, people wanting to work at a class. The environment will dictate if people are willing to do that and if they feel valued and supported and morale is pretty good, you know, then yes, you're going to have the cream of the crop rise up and want to do those things. It definitely is a lot harder to get people to do things like that when they don't feel valued, they're disengaged, they don't have faith in leadership. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not going to find, you don't want people that, you know, they're going to stop doing that. They're going to want, you know, so I think it's hand in hand. You want people to want to be able to do it, but you got to have a culture that's like gives them the opportunity to do that. That's a great point. So it's not, you know, I don't know everybody's out in their organizations. You may be that go-getter type of guy and feeling deflated, you know, just be you continue to drive and move forward. So, cause it, it, it will get better. Something will come up, you know, and if you're that organization, you know, recognize who you have on your team so they can rise at the top. And then, then that person will look at you. I'm going to take your job one day. No, I don't <laughs> well, then that's no, good I mean, for it's, growth. It's, it's a good trade, right? I mean, you, you have to have it. People are not going to work and do above and beyond the organization or culture is bad. They're just not. We, Jim has talked about that before mm-hmm. being disengaged and why people leave, right? Because they're totally. not valued, you know, so coming from Justin, you know, if you want to cream of the crop, you want to work hard outside your class, you know, then you got to do it, but you got to, you don't have to, but that's if you want to be, you know, well, if successful yes. and promote to some, to some, yes, you can't expect to be promoted and not know the job. Yeah. And, and part of that is kind of the organization thing. You would hope your organization recognizes that. Yeah. Is that that's the other part of it too? Well, I've seen cities where they have a pretty good internal uh, training and leadership program where they internally set up mentorships across the the departments. Mm-hmm. That if you are interested in promoting, they set up these meetings and these abilities to. There's like an avenue people. for you to do it. Yeah, yeah, and I I haven't personally been at a city where. I, I've experienced that exact structure, but I've heard the stories of cities in the region that's that cool. do that. And they, I've heard good things. Um, yeah. I've never heard of that. I, that's cool. Yeah. You know, but my experience is usually like there's an individual that you look to. That's like your rock, your mentor, yeah. like you identify with somebody that's like, that's the guy, your guy or gal mm-hmm. that I want 
you know, to pass the torch on to me one day or pass. And it that's on what, to me. I mean, I, I hope to do with anybody that I interact with is uh, internally. Just I, let I, me know when. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and, and for my team, it's, um, I tell them, you know, if they're, as long as they're interested and they want, they want the initiative to, to learn it. Mm-hmm. I have no problem teaching them everything that I do so that if there is an opportunity, they, they can go right for it. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to cross train. Um, it's just the person has to have the willpower to do it. Oh yeah. I had a, a director start when I started um, at an agency and they kind of brought me in. I was like, you are not here to be a part of the culture that already exists. This is where the train's going. Uh, you can either get on it or get off. I'll smile at you the same. I'll help you find a job in another city or another department if this is not a good fit for you. But this is what we're doing. I'm like, hey, I like it. Be straight up. Roger that. Like, hey, cool. Like, make change. You know, make change. You know, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. So I don't know. That's I always good. like, I always like that. It was very like direct and kind of like, Hey, th- hey, this is what we're doing. You're either getting on the ship or not. I'm like, all right, I'm on the ship. Let's go. Which way are we rowing? <laughs> so I don't that's know. good. Got anything else about interviews? Any funny questions that you've asked or have been <laughs> asked or funny answers? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I've been on some interviews. Typically, it's the final interviews where it gets a little bit uh, looser with the structure of it because um, yeah. they're looking for best fit. Um, like drinking Coors Light. <laughs> I thought it were the directors and oh, managers no. are sitting there no. in the final and they're eating ice cream as they're asking me questions. And I'm like, oh, where's my cup? I like that. That's okay. <laughs> we talked about this. I'm a Tom Cruise fan. Huge. Okay. Huge. Huge. Have you so have you seen Days of Thunder? I don't think so. The NASCAR one with Tom Cruise. Oh, yes. I have. Yes, yes, I have. Yep. And he's like, he's not very good at driving the stock car, the NASCAR. Mm -hmm. He's you know Mm -hmm. the dirt track guy and he keeps ruining his tires. And what's his name? Robert Duvall is the uh is the the crew chief. And he's like, I need to come in for a pit stop. He's like, No, we're busy. He's like, busy. And he's like, We're eating ice cream. And the whole pit crew is eating ice cream just to show him that he's, you know, hey, this is a team here, like pissing me off. Right. And so he comes, you know, flying down pit lane and gets in a big fight. That just reminds me of that, you know, he's like driving at 200 miles an hour and they're eating, you know, vanilla yeah. waffle <laughs> cones. <laughs> great. Well, and that's what was great about it was that it showed they did that on purpose where the director and the managers show that they're they're lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be serious. And they just want to get to know me. And so yeah. I've had questions in the final interview where they, they want to know what my favorite hobbies are. What do I do when I'm yeah. not working? Uh, you know, what's my family like? Um, and um, I've had questions like, what's your five-year, what's your 10-year plan? Um, I mean, I, I think I've even been on some questions where it's like, you know, if you could travel anywhere, where, where would it be? Yeah. They, they're using it to get to know you to see, hey, is your yes. personality a fit? Yep. And I, in first round interviews, you'll never really see that because it's very structured. Everybody yeah, has not, to be asked the yeah, same. Not, yeah, not. Yeah. You don't see that too much because the question list is typically the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, hey, trust your instincts, right? Unless your instincts suck, then don't. 
that's such great advice right what is like you know if you feel like you can you know throw you know tell us a little bit about yourself well you know i like fishing i like spending family time you if you feel like that's the time and place to say it and you get a good vibe from the room or whatever then then go for it but like i said if your instincts suck maybe like uh like justin's saying wait till the second interview if you get it (laughs) uh to then let them know that you like collecting pokemon cards or doing whatever else that you like doing on your own time a teacup collection right yeah <laughs> so I well that's know. good i think yeah a good overview we helped of nobody i well i hope we helped at least one be confident be yourself be loosey-goosey and be hungry yeah yeah be, be hungry be the be the animal and trust your instincts unless your instincts suck. That's some great advice. Oh man. We might have got more people fired than we did hired. God, I hope not. <laughs> but less competition for me. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to free up the field for you. Right. Watch Everything. out. Shane's coming through. <laughs> no, it was good. I hope everybody, you know, got something out of it. Yeah, no, I think we're no, we're no, we're no uh, interview experts, but I enjoy them. I think they're fun and I've had mm-hmm. uh, way more interviews than I'd probably like to admit. I Man, I've had a lot. How many of you had? Probably, I would say at least two dozen in PD and two dozen in code yeah. at like, least. Yeah. Each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's Same not boat. counting the panels that I've been on. That's just me being on that's the other side. That's just you being, trying to get the bennies, the yep. purrs. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to Cal Purrs. Um, let's see. Well, not everybody's Cal Purrs, so I guess. Don't go bankrupt. I need my retirement. Oh, my God. Please don't get me started. Yeah. At 50 and 55 now. Must be nice. Yeah. Got to go to them like 94 or something like that. Like 1% <laughs> at 94. Is that what it is? God, I, I can see it happening. Stop. Uh, Not ending my night like that. Blasphemy. Boo this man. Let's, let's hope that per Calper stays good for a couple more decades. It'll be fine. It's stable. It's good. They're investing all their money into EV. So space. I don't know if they are or not. That's I just don't know nothing. I don't, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> let's hope they're doing good things with our cash. Cool, man. That's good. Um, yeah. Shout out to uh, all those uh, great people out there trying to get a job and shout out interview. And shout out to we support uh, you. New hire. And, uh, yes. Big un- congratulations. Unknown to agency. Yes. Unknown. Congratulations to you. Well, known, Start- but unknown. Starting Monday. She'll Starting do great Monday. Things. Bring donuts. <laughs> or... <laughs> I'm not even gonna. It's not even has nothing to do with me. So, do they? Do you know if they listen to this? They know about I this. I don't think so, but I can't verify. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, <laughs> ask them. Be like, hey, uh, bring donuts, uh, breakfast burritos, um, orange juice. Well, in, in our our shop, I I'm the one that brings that stuff on first day. Look at you. We celebrate the new. The new team members. 
you don't want the new team members to be broke their first week because no. they're trying to buy Panera bread bagels for everybody. The bagel pack. You're a good man. Yeah, I try. We got a good team. Well, hopefully, uh, yeah, we our next episode. Uh, we're looking at potentially having another guest, so that'll yes. be a, a is fun that episode. confirmed? Uh, it's. I would say it's so close to being 100. percent So I oh, think we're going to yes. be set. This is going to be awesome. You guys a good are episode. For a, a treat. Next episode. <laughs> Those mounds look blue. Actually, they're. Oh, I've been nursing this thing. So, anyways, it's like water. Stop. We're not talking about this. You got your ice water. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. No, whatever. We're going to have a talk about this double barrel IPA smoked, you know, whatever. As long as it's imported, that's all it has to be. The good stuff. This is imported from Colorado. Colorado got shipped in. Got shipped in, right? Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Cross state lines. I'm out. So till next time. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on The Code Locker. Be sure to message us for questions or topics you'd like to hear. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, friend, stay safe out there.